Motor Residence, Martial Arts Action. Exploring the culture, the adventure, and the impact of martial arts. That's what Kung Fu Podcast is all about. And I'm your host, T.W. Smith. If this is your first time to the program, welcome. You're in the audience of some of the finest and sharpest martial artists in the world. Folks that take a great deal of care and put in a lot of effort into honing their craft. Irregardless of the style of martial arts that you practice, hopefully you'll find something here during the programs that you can use to either better understand what you might currently do or enhance what you currently do. I try to share you some of the things that are from my perspective, and we always dip into uh, the academics, looking into the history, or in this case, neurosciences. What do they have to say about some of the things that we do, or how can we better use some of the tools that we already have? During this episode, we're going to lay some parameters, and we're going to define martial arts as action, not movement. We're going to look at predicting criminal behavior, What is motor resonance, motor cognition, mirror neurons? What does this neuroscience have to do with uh, what we're trying to get done here? What is action versus movements? And how do traditional martial arts compare to other types of collective athletes in using this particular skill? I'm also going to be sharing with you during the course of this program changes that we've been doing to the program, which is going to have more video, uh, bonus episodes during the month, and things along those lines. But first... Let's talk about predicting criminal behavior. You know, science fiction sometimes gets a little closer than we think. When we were watching Star Trek back in the early 70s, I remember how far-fetched it all seemed. You know, lasers, spaceships, all this kind of stuff going on. And today, a lot of the things they portrayed in that show are actually here. It reminds me of an old Taoist saying that states, Everything around you, for the most part, any man made anything around you at some point was just someone's thought, and they took it from imagination to reality. Well, it is kind of interesting sometimes how what is once portrayed as science fiction gets a lot closer to science. You may remember the Tom Cruise movie in 2002 titled The Minority Report. Basically, it's he's a police officer of some type that's arresting people just before they commit a crime. These clairvoyants could feel a person's dark and violent vibrations and would send the police out prior to the act occurring. And practically with 100% confidence that that individual was going to commit this crime and they're going to interrupt that process. Well, Philip K. Dick is the gentleman who wrote the Minority Report in 1956, and that's what the film was based on. Mr. Dick also wrote other works that has turned into popular films, including Blade Runner, 1982, Total Recall, which was adapted twice in 1990 with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and in 2012, which I never saw. Then we had Minority Report that I just mentioned with Tom Cruise, A Scanner Darkly, never seen that, The Adjustment Bureau, never seen that, and The Blade Runner 2049, which I hope to get around to that. What if that whole fictional story from the Minority Report was closer than you may have imagined when it was put onto the big screen in 2002 and not miles into fiction like when the brilliant Mr. Dick imagined it in 1956? 
Regina Nuzzo, and the neuroscientists in their research study titled Brain Scans Predict Which Criminals Are Most Likely to Reoffend." They found a way to predict whether convicted felons are likely to commit crimes again from looking at the brain scans. They said, quote, Convicts showing low activity in a brain region associated with decision-making and action are likely to be arrested again and sooner. This area, the anterior cingulate cortex, ACC, is this small region in front of the brain. The area is involved in motor control and executive functioning. The researchers, after doing the study, followed the ex-convicts for four years to see how they did. The convicted men who had lower ACC activity during quick decision tasks were much more likely to be arrested again after getting out of prison. This seemed kind of broad when I first read it. But then, after the researchers accounted for other risk factors such as age, drug, and alcohol abuse, as well as psychopathic traits, they said, quote, men who were in the lower half of the ACC activity ranking had a 2.6 higher rate of rearrests for all crimes and a 4.3-fold higher rate for nonviolent crimes. The results are published today in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Well, making predictions based off of brain scans is one thing, and it's great that there's perhaps some help there for folks who they can identify before they're released to try to give them a little bit extra help uh, so they don't end up back in the system. That's not the quite the same thing, but yet it is in the sense that we've got to learn, as martial artists, for example, in social settings, to observe behavior and make decisions on the fly based on what we see or sense. Well, what is this phenomenon they refer to as motor resonance? Motor resonance is a term that is associated with motor theories of action understanding. It is important when you're discussing motor resonance that you give it some sort of definition because it can mean a broad number of things to different people in the population. Just like the term martial arts can mean different things to different people. Some will say that can include traditional weapons, for example, like a long staff or a nunchuck. And other people say, no, 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 it cannot. It's got to be hands only. Others will say, you know, good martial arts is only reactionary. You only throw a strike or a punch or a throw or something after somebody else does something to you. And others are like, no, no, no. Preemptively is just fine. It's actually safer. Well, you know, I have my definitions and my way to roll, and I share that with you along the way, but I'm not trying to change you. In the same way here with motor resonance, it's just important that we understand what we're talking about during this particular episode. What we're going to do is look at the work of Professor Saibo Uothal who wrote an essay titled Understanding Motor Resonance, and this was published in the Social Neuroscience Journal in 2011. It's a 10-page essay that shows that the notion of action understanding can describe three different cognitive functions, which we're going to label pretty much action recognition, goal recognition, and action anticipation. Well, there's no doubt if a martial artist is anything in whatever definition you might work with it, it would probably need to include understanding action. Plus the fact, since we are social beings, unless you plan to be the next garage champion and have the best martial arts in your garage, 
then you've got to be social. That is why I wanted to explore part of this motor resonance path. Understanding motor resonance allows the recognition of not only the action as such, but also of the goal that is served by that action. Which brings us to a term, motor cognition. Perception and action processes are functionally intertwined. Perception is a means to action, and action is a means to perception. Indeed, the vertebrate brain has evolved for governing motor activity with the basic function to transform sensory patterns into patterns of motor coordination. The fundamental unit of the motor cognition paradigm is action, defined as the maneuvers produced to satisfy an intention towards a specific motor goal or in reaction to a meaningful event in the physical and social environments. There are a variety of terms that are associated with this process in the academic world, and I don't have a handle on all of them. However, I am quite comfortable with sharing the core principles and some of these labels with you. For example, mirror neurons, and is a term that is involved with motor resonance. During most research of motor resonance, the term mirror neurons will appear a lot through the process. As a broad stroke, mirror neurons are multimodal neurons that fire during both execution and observation of actions. The Palmer Group is the group of Italian neuroscientists who discovered mirror neurons. They offered this explanation of what a mirror neuron is. They state that, quote, the activation of the mirror neuron system is intrinsically constitutive of action and intention understanding, at least at the level of basic actions, end quote. What I found during the research is that many researchers were making similar arguments, but they were using different terms. Mirror neurons is a term that points more to the physiological synapses of the brain, but when you follow their arguments and their discussions far enough, you will find that they're going to make the similar argument that it's about action understanding. At this point, I'm going to reference Shannon Spallin, who is a professor at the University of Oklahoma State and has a similar work where they're trying to recognize that some sort of behavior, for example, hand movement, is an action. For example, waving hello. And one must understand the intention to which the agent is acting. For example, to greet you. An intention is standardly regarded as a mental state. However, the one thing that becomes abundantly clear through the research is that the term mirror neurons falls short of explaining the completeness of motor resonance. It would be much like saying fighting is martial arts or the MMA is martial arts. Those terms fall way short of what traditional martial arts means to me. And I will have to go on a limb and say, probably for you too. So one simple example of the firing off of the mirror neurons could easily be the you made me yawn phenomenon. So when you see someone yawning and then you have the urge to yawn yourself. Motor resonance, according to Professor Spalling, quote, describes the activation of the motor system during action observation. The notion is adopted from physics and is used to describe the phenomenon that one part of a system oscillates at the same frequency 
and in the same phase as another. Another simple understanding of action understanding is, let's say, a friend is pouring a cup of tea. Your action recognition is the fact that you recognize the action that they're grasping the teacup. The goal recognition is that you recognize that they're grasping the action as either to serve or to drink the tea. Then you have action anticipation, is where you prepare to reach out and grasp the tea if they offer it to you. Take a moment and consider some things that you may train, a little bit more complex in your martial arts, in this theory of action recognition, goal recognition, and action anticipation. Let's say that you're walking down a sidewalk one evening, and you're getting close to your car, and a guy appears from around the corner, almost blocking you, making it almost difficult for you to get into your car. Well, there's your action, and most likely your spidey senses have gone off just like mine have. But then he begins to reach toward his pocket. What do you think his goal is? You think he's reaching for a brochure to ask you for a March of Dimes donation? Or is he reaching for a weapon? Or at this point, does it really matter what he's reaching for? Our little uh, alert, alert signals are probably going off pretty darn sharp. And this is where, as a fine martial artist, you have practiced your action anticipation. You're going to do something. You're not going to just stand there as he's driven into your personal space, pinned you so that you can't get in your car, and now he's reaching toward his pocket. Most likely, or hopefully, you're going to do some sort of preparation and get engaged. And perhaps that's a preemptive strike. Or maybe you dive over the hood of your car and try to escape. You can give what I call the famous blimp technique, where you reach up your hand, gesture real quick, hey, officer, over here. And as this unwanted person turns around, you make a move. But through this whole process of motor resonance, action recognition, goal recognition, and an action anticipation, let's hope that all your training and all your motor skills are working fine. Let's take a pause from motor resonance and give you a couple of updates that's happening with the program. First of all, there's over 300 pieces of content that are put together uh, over the years, whether it was the podcast of Tibetan Kung Fu, here at Kung Fu Podcast, audiobooks, and many other pieces. All of those are now going to be published and put out for the folks over at Patreon. And you can go to patreon.com forward slash TWSmith and decide how much of that content you'd like to get access to. I have been making regular additions to that Patreon account. Uh, bonus episodes are being written out and published even now. The entire content library is going to be published over there and much more, including videos, behind-the-scene videos, and you'll be able to get everything I put out delivered right to your Android or Apple device. All you have to do is download the app and then just enroll with patreon.com forward slash TWSmith. Of course, you'll still be able to get current content and some of the more recent content right over there at Kung Fu Podcast, and that'll be available for you ongoing. Now let's get back into motor resonance, where we're going to look at action versus movement. Martial arts is about action, not movement. As noted in one of the research essays, Professor Hommel, in 2003, wrote Planning and Representing intentional action, and he wrote it for the Journal of Scientific World. He wrote, quote, the difference between a movement and an action is often taken to be that the latter serves a goal and the former does not. 
This would entail that every action serves a goal, making the term goal-directed action a pleonasm for other interpretations of goal, as non-goal-directed actions cannot exist, just non-goal-directed movements, end quote. So let's say you're a martial arts instructor, or perhaps you're a student. I did this a couple of times as a student, and my sifu was not very happy about it. But uh, it happens to all of us, and certainly happens to you when you're a teacher. If you're an instructor, have you ever taught a technique or a form, and later on asked the student, what do you think your application is here, this area? What might you be doing? Or what do you think the message is to do here? And the student responds, doing. I thought it was just an empty movement to get to the next technique in the form. Of course, says the instructor, you pull the dagger from your heart and you're like, no, there are no empty movements in your form or kata. They all have reasons, depending upon the purpose or the message the originator was trying to convey, but there isn't anything in there that you're doing without a purpose. As Professor Hommel stated, A movement does not serve a goal. Every action does serve a goal. There are not any such things as non-goal-directed actions, only non-goal-directed movements. Well, I took that information and I asked myself a question. Which do criminals use, actions or movements? You can pretty much rest assured that there's not anything that a criminal is doing that is a wasted movement. He's all about the action. He is setting up a victim. Every detail, every utterance, every angle, every inch matters. Let's consider some of the actions that criminals may use. And if you need to, go back to the episode. Just go to kungfupodcast.com forward slash be swift. And it'll take you to the episode where we looked at 12 factors that give you swifter responses. And then also the next episode, which were decision calisthenics. But we look at, for example, they might use a sudden appearance. That's action recognition. Or not responding to a reasonable request. A third one would be consistent motion to get inside your perimeter or your fence. And then the fourth thing is they try to calm you down when they see that you are prepared. Those are four simple actions that criminals may take in order to get what they want from you. Every action a criminal takes has a goal. There is very little to no wasted movement. Even in the white-collar crimes, the criminals pose as, for example, insurance salesmen or stock maintenance guys. They don't waste a word or an angle when they're trying to get inside of their goal. This is going to bring us into the section where we're going to be looking at how we interpret things. Do we notice the subtle details and how do traditional martial artists compare to other collective athletes in doing so? Adele Juini in 2017 wrote a work titled Motor Resonance is Sensitive to Long but Not Short Modulations of Physical Exercise. Wrote for MedCrave Journal of Sports Medicine, Issue 5. Juini wrote that the aim of the study was to evaluate one's ability to recognize and decode others' facial expressions that are associated with physical exertion while exerting themselves during various levels of physical exercise. 21 traditional martial artists 
and 17 soccer players participated in the study. So in a nutshell, you are asking folks to recognize, does that guy look tired? Does he look focused? Does he look excited? And they're going to do so while they're exercising at various levels of intensity. Each participant performed a facial recognition task, which was looking at 40 pictures of facial expressions while they were running on a treadmill, with the task being performed at five different running speeds, which was at 60%, 80%, 100%, and 120% of maximal aerobic speed. The results revealed that the participants' motor resonance increased with greater effort produced. However, it also revealed that the practitioners of the combative activities were systematically faster and more accurate in terms of recognizing facial expressions than the practitioners of the team sport, which happened to be soccer. During the study, every participant had to go through a battery of pretests, making sure that they had excellent baseline data for everyone. The fighter's advantage over the collective sports practitioners in regard to recognition performance was mainly present at conditions involving higher intensities of effort. They wrote, quote, In conclusion, our study reveals that expertise in combative activities, which requires precise decoding of opponents' emotional states, is associated with enhanced ability to recognize facial expressions, end quote. The traditional martial arts were better at facial recognition than collective sports athletes for example, soccer, at quickly interpreting facial expressions, and as the intensity increased, so did that ability. Well, if we went a little further and we asked the question, well, why did the traditional martial arts perform better? The researchers pointed to previous works with martial artists, and then something that I will expand upon in the bonus episode for this month a great deal. It's where they see that the combative athletes tend to focus on torso and head as indicators of intention, where the soccer players tend to focus on hips and legs. It's an interesting tidbit I learned is that the best goalies are trained during penalty kicks to observe neither the player or the ball. They're trained to fix an observant gaze in front of the ball between the ball and the player. That gives the goalie the best opportunity to react correctly to the penalty kick. Also, the researchers pointed to the fact that not only did the martial artists perform better than the soccer players, but the martial artists did even better at high intensity levels. So the harder they were going, the better skill they got. Now, this study was published in 2017, and it was the first study that demonstrated a link between motor resonance and physical exertion. So as we're bringing this episode to a close, Motor resonance is the attribute to interpret action understanding as goal recognition. And we're going to stick to the interpretation that the goal is the object. As we gave that example earlier, I can maneuver my hand back and forth, but that's not the same thing as if I have actually maneuvered my hand going back and forth. And now it's an action because it's directed toward you to get your attention. What we want to be able to do is recognize an action and the goal of that action, and respond to it before they ever reach their objective. Professor Saibo states that, quote, the systematic use of well-defined concepts is an important aspect of the constructive and fruitful analysis of data, end quote. 
What a fantastic concept for us to consider as we explore our martial arts. Make it fruitful with well-defined concepts that we systematically use. The information we've presented so far helps make an argument for having progressive use of sparring in your classes, and as well as practicing skills during progressive fatigue. Everything and anything that helps you focus while things get intense. We want to avoid at all costs just going through the motions of anything. In the Chinese martial arts, we have the string of pearls story, the metaphor that helps us explain the difference between continuous action in your martial arts versus action, motion, action. The string of pearls tells us that if you set a pearl down all unto itself, it is like a technique. It sits to itself. It is individually exactly what it is meant to be. When you put them together on a string and they collect themselves together on the string, it's hard to tell where one ends and the next one begins. That is continuous action. As compared to setting pearls side by side to each other, that's action, motion, action. There's a gap. And there should never be a gap in your mind. All of your techniques should flow like a string of pearls, which is a great example for anyone in the martial arts. Martial arts is the art of action. It's goal-oriented. A list of resources will be available for you over on the website. And in the February 2019 bonus episode, it's going to be an expansion and usage of the information we have here, motor resonance, mind over muscle. That's going to be a 25 to 35 minute episode. It's going to go further into the research looking at questions such as, why would criminals have an advantage? How does motor resonance affect tactical decision making? What are the clues that we can use in detecting body language as an action directed toward us? Remembering what the professor said in the very beginning of this episode, that the fundamental unit of the motor cognition paradigm is action, defined as the maneuvers produced to satisfy an intention towards a specific motor goal or in reaction to a meaningful event in the physical and social environment, end quote. Well, body language is definitely a response to a social environment, isn't it? And how can you use a volatile conundrum as a way, almost like a preemptive strike, to get things moving. Also this month, I'm going to put up a video of some of the exercises that are recommended to improve motor resonance by maintaining observatory continuity. To find all of that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TWSmith. Have a great practice, take care of yourself, and I'll be talking with you again real soon.